I hear people talking in media and things about, we need to get to Mars, we need to get here, we need to get here. It's only going, it's only going to be so long before humanity's gone and all this stuff. Wisdom, I mean, intellect like crazy. We have no clue what's really going on. As if God would let the human race go away after He's written all these things. And all of this has already come to pass. Why in the world would the rest of it? Now, these people we're listening to in the news, not much of what they've said has come to pass. They're still talking. Some of it has, you know. They do have intellect. But it's not the track record God has. Isn't that great? So what will it take? Thank you, Lord. What will it take for the church to wake up? Not that we're, you know, not all awake, but and begin to see that there's more than being a Christian. You know? When will we have our own schools? And I don't just mean schools. I mean spirit-filled schools. Because I want you to know now, we have Christian leaders. They just don't know what's going on. They're still trying to fight everything in the natural. Most of them are. They're still trying to win it by elections, by raising enough money. You know what I'm saying? And we have to do that. We have to do those things. But we have to have also the component of understanding is the spiritual war. Armor up. We've had people that were great congressmen and senators and other things. Came back home, got so frustrated up there. Didn't understand the war. Couldn't really do it. Didn't understand the war. Thought it was all about just getting the truth out. It's all about if we can have enough hearings and show people the truth. Folks, it's not about that. The people up there don't want the truth. If we knew the Bible and we were spirit-filled, we know that they've seen the truth. They didn't like it because they like their sin more than they love God. They're not going to change when you show They know the truth. They're denying it. What it takes is people there that are spirit-filled know how to pray, that are in those seats and can break the curses and can break the falsehoods that are running a nation, right? And who are we going to send? We're not preparing our kids. We're not raising our kids up. We're raising them to be, I mean, whatever. We don't even want to send them to college. Now we've gotten so crazy. Chris, most of the time, they, don't, they send, and when we do, we send them to the devil's colleges. And they're not prepared. They're not spirit-filled. They're not praying in tongues. They're not staying built up. They're not reading this every day. They get away. They can't wait to get away. They cannot wait to get out of the house because it was nothing but restrictions and things like that. They didn't see the power of God. They didn't know the good side. They weren't pursuing it, right? Amen. But that's us, y'all. We can't look anywhere else. We can't say, when are they going to fix things up there in Washington? When the church going to fix things? When are we going to get tired of it? Raise our kids up to be kings and to lead like it. To have that expectation from the day you were born. My job is to excel to the highest level that I was created to excel to and sit there on behalf of Jesus Christ, not anybody else, and not serve anyone else, period, ever. 
What do you think would happen in the United States of America if the church started feeding people into government? You know, God had governmental people too. We spirit-filled people tend to think, oh, you know, we, we don't even need to do anything without Just forget government, right? Forget city government. We don't need any of that. We'll just sit home. What's that God in us? Y'all realize David was the king, right? King David. God has always wanted his men and women leading everything, fully filled with his Holy Spirit, fully filled with knowledge and power. That's who he wants sitting in the seat of the president. Every congressional seat, every congressional seat, every Supreme Court seat, every one, not most, all of them. But if you're not raising people to be intelligent, you're not training them in truth, and you're not sending them to college, and they have a mindset to know that's where they have to go. From day one, that's where we have to go. You're never going to get there. And your country's going to be run by, guess what? People that don't care. Paul wrote a little bit about that in 1 Corinthians 6 where he said, you go to court and you sit under people that aren't even born again. How dare you? You'd be better off to let the men that, that are, and he was talking about men then, obviously because of culture, but you'd be better off to go before men in your church and let them decide your disputes than to drag yourself before the unsaved and let them pronounce what's going to happen to you. He said, is there not a man with wisdom among you, among the whole church? That would be fair? Can you not find such a man? No, you can't. It's hard. And the sad thing is, we're so still filled with evil, we wouldn't trust them anyway. We would rather go to court with the pagans and take our chances. What does that say? Where's our faith culture? And we think, well, we're spirit-filled. We know how to pray. We, guys, we got so far to go to build a faith community. It's not even funny. We haven't even started in 2,000 years to build a faith community that people that are on the outside would look at and say, you know, I, I might like to be a part of something like that. And elect born-again believers, really, filled with, filled with the Holy Spirit, and say that those are the kind of people we need to elect. They would have done that in the first part of Acts. We're doing our Acts Bible study on Wednesday night. First part of Acts, they would have, they would have voted for those folks. We've got to prepare our generations to sit in the seat of kings. We've got to prepare our business leaders and our workers, our educators and all those things to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit and be being filled with the Word of God day in and day out and seeking only God first, nothing else, not even a hint of seeking money, not even a hint of seeking anything else, just God and what He wants done, serving Him day in and day out. Everybody in the church, everybody. I'm not judging that. I'm letting you judge that. How far are we away from that in a faith community? Right here at Oasis. And how many people even care about helping the kid? Thank you. Praise God. I do too. About helping the children get. We got to get some people in our city that are filled with the Holy Ghost. We could start here. How many people, city, county, government filled with the Holy Ghost? How many of you even know? Have you even been to a meeting? 
We're not worried about it. It's not our thing. Guys, if it's not our thing, it's the devil's thing. If it's not our thing, who are you leaving it up to? Right? Who are, am I leaving it up to? And who are we training our kids up to be? People that don't care? Instead of going to the meetings, they control what happens right here in our town and whether or not the policies and the things that are being done follow the way of Christ. We're watching TV at night as a family. That's the way to fix that, right? Just as a family. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you know, you just like, isn't it? And how you fix that? We, got, we had to get home, you know, we want to get off the streets, want to get out of that town and get on home as a family. When we all pull back as far as we can pull back and we realize it's right at our door, we'll probably figure out we should have pushed back and gone back instead of getting all into the house and locking the door. Because I believe, I'm pretty sure Jesus said go not stay. Pretty sure he said go. And I'm pretty sure he said be such an example of good works. And I think what he meant was excellence in everything that you do. Be such an example that they want to follow your God. And I don't know how to achieve that. I don't know what everybody's gifted in. Well, kind of. But the thing of it is, is that if you're not a preacher, send one. Work hard and use your wallet. Paul said in Philippians, you become a part of that grace. If you're a great business person, don't worry. We're going to start having classes as soon as we get enough room, a building with enough rooms to do some of these things. We'll start having classes to train people to do their checkbook, to run a business. Because you know what? If Christians don't open up, you see Thompson's dead, man. You come down this road right here, there ain't nothing going on. There's buildings ripe for the taking for people filled with the Holy Ghost and ideas. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take Christians not sit at home. And not say, well, I got enough to pay my bills. I'm not worried about anything else. How in the world are you going to bankroll the next generation of Christian business owners? Because the, the pagan bank's not going to do it. They don't care about their word. They don't care about Christ. They don't care about helping them. You're going to send them out to the pagans to start their business? What are they going to be tied into then? I'm serious. I'm asking. What are they going to be tied into then? How are they going to get money? My Bible says Jesus said, loan anybody to ask you. Your church don't have any money to loan. Why? Because your people don't have any money to give. Why? Because they're not seeking God. They're not seeking excellence. They're just getting by. If I can just get by and give a dollar here and a dollar there. That's not what Jesus said, though, is it? That's not, a, that's not what he said at all. He said, loan. If you can't loan, <laughs> how you fulfill what he asked you to do. And how will your cities that are dying be populated with believers? Guys, believers don't have to have the world's economy. When are we going to wake up and realize that? We don't realize it for ourselves yet, obviously. Obviously. You don't think you can be retired and still own a business? You don't think you can be a preacher and still own a business? Guys, we ought to all be doing things we ought to, that employ people, that are employing people, putting them to work.
and planning on turning it over to them and letting them buy it. After they prove they can seek God first and then honor Him with what they have. And that's what we're supposed to be teaching them to do. Seek God first and honor Him with what we have. It's going to be hard to teach them that with a dollar. I won't even buy them anything at Starbucks or at Chick-fil-A. Can't even get a sandwich. I'm not complaining now. We just need to know where we really are because we fool ourselves a lot. We're doing great. You know? Right? I mean, come on, Christians, we fool ourselves a lot now. We do. We're fooling ourselves a lot. We got it going on. We're going to make it. Yeah, who cares? We're going to make it. What about everybody else? You hear so many Christians, we're going to make it though. We're going to make it. We and who else? Jesus said they'll know your mind because you love yourself. Because you make it. Because you care enough to take a chance and run that thing as far as it'll go in the name of Jesus Christ. Put everything on the line and bring as many with you as you can. That's really what he said, wasn't it? In his example, you can't mistake it. His life's on the line every day. Everything he did was out there to be seen, wasn't it? The man went and went and went. They wanted to kill him. And I'm not talking about, they literally, want, they didn't massacre him on social media. They wanted his head. There's such good news. I had an opportunity to talk to somebody while I was away in the hospital. And um, she was talking about, this nice lady was talking about, you know, um, that, you know, it's such a great thing we have Jesus, but we're still under the law. You know, we still need to keep the law. And um, I want to go along with Apostle Paul and say that although we're not still under the law, we should not sin, God forbid, not intentionally. See, I'm going to say what he said. That way I'm safe because God put his stamp on his ministry after he said it, so I'm good with that. You know what I mean? So we shouldn't sin. God forbid we should do that. But it's not because of sin us to hell because we're not in sin. We can't be, sin can't be accredited to us if we're in Christ. I hope you've learned that lesson if you've been here. You know, a lot of people still think that when they're in Christ, if they miss the mark, they got to stop and confess or they'll go to hell. Couldn't be further from the truth. Physically impossible and spiritually impossible can prove it in 10 different ways. And the, and the most powerful way is Paul told us this. He said, if you can be in Christ and sin can still be accredited to you, then what that means is Christ is a servant of sin. That's what he said. And you think about how powerful that is. What that would mean is that sin is more powerful than our Savior. What that would mean is you're not saved because sin is more powerful than your Savior if you believe like that. You're either 
in Christ. Read Ephesians. In Christ, we've been redeemed. In Christ, we the power of God when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead has been shown in us. Blah, blah, blah. In Christ, in Christ. Read those promises and then understand you're in the person of Christ. You were baptized into death and raised not into yourself because yourself didn't exist anymore because it died. You were raised into Christ. Amen. So in Christ, there is no sin. There cannot be sin. God can't look at Christ and see sin. So if you're in Christ, you're hidden, the Bible says, with God in Christ. It's no longer Lee that lives, but Christ who lives within me. Amen. I'm in him. And so what he said is, if you can be in Christ and still be in sin, then Christ would be the servant of sin. That means he'd be lesser than sin. And he can't be or else he wouldn't have been qualified to release us. And knowing that, you must understand that if you're in Christ, you cannot be in sin. Now, you can still miss the mark. You can still, as they call it, sin. And that's why Paul addressed that, the very man who spoke those words and said, we don't continue in that, God forbid. But the reason he's saying it is because when the world looks at it, it doesn't look right. It's not a good testimony of God. And not only that, God will judge you still. Now, he doesn't condemn you to hell, but he will judge the Christian sinner, especially if, if it goes so far that it's impacting the other believers in a bad way. They will be judged. He'll move you. I mean, he, he can, it, it can result in him, his, you being moved out of his hand and Satan attacking you in ways. And when you pray, guess what? You're not in a good position. So it's definitely not a smart idea. But it won't send you to hell because you're in Christ and he's not a servant of sin. So having said that, let's talk about this. Now we know we're not under the law. And I just want to do... Um, it's really good not to be under law for a lot of reasons, not just the hell reason. That's probably the most important reason. But since we're all alive here together, breathing air at this moment, and we're not in either heaven or hell, I don't think anybody in this room is headed for hell. I don't know, but I hope not. If you're born again, you're not. Okay? You're not. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the end word on that. Right? That is the last word to be spoken on that. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, last word on that. Now, let's think about it. Though. And this is what I wanted to get. I was having a discussion with this lady. I wanted to get her to because she misses something so beautiful. Because it's no big deal, you know, if you say, well, we should still live under the Ten Commandments. That's what I wants. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's true. If I preach that we shouldn't pay them any attention, that wouldn't make much of me because it's what God wants, right? It's just that you're no longer made righteous by having to keep them. You're made righteous through faith now, All right? So this is the idea, though, that, that people miss, and it's such a sad shame in my opinion. Um, how many of you understand the law? So the Ten Commandments, you can read about them if you wanted to. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. You ever thought about that one? Just for a real quick side note. Take it in vain. You know, they, people tend to think it means you cuss with it or whatever. But what about all the people who take it and say they're trusting in Jesus, but it's in vain. They have no intention of trusting Him as Savior whatsoever. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
If you take the name of Jesus, then you should assume the power that comes with the name. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul actually talks about that. He talks about people who appropriate the name of Jesus but don't appropriate the power thereof. In a way, they take the name of the Lord our God in vain because they don't receive the power of the name. It's interesting. But for another day. So, Under the law, under Ten Commandments, to, to be righteous, if you ever kept one of them with the intent of it keeping you righteous, you had to keep them all and you had to do them. And the Bible says you live by them. In other words, the doing of them makes you righteous and keeps you alive to God. The doing of them. Right? That makes sense? And if you miss one of them, no matter which one, you're no longer righteous. Right with God. Can't call on God. No longer right with God. No longer a child of God. No longer one of God's people. So what ended up happening? There were, if there was blessing, and there was, under the law, if you kept the laws, what also was there? What also was there? Yeah, curses. The law carried with it blessings for those who kept it and curses for those who did not. Would you turn to Deuteronomy 28? Just look at that. Just look at that. Just so we're not just talking. Let's look at it. If you look at Deuteronomy 28, I think it's 1. Yeah. Well, let's look at verse 2. First of all, it says Deuteronomy 28, 1. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commands. Now, those are the commands of the law. And then in verse 2 right there, just to be in a hurry, it says, All these blessings shall come upon you. Now, if you read chapter 28 all the way down to verse 14... All of that is blessings that come upon people that keep the law. Sounds great. And because it's a law, they're written out. Because the law has to be written out to be legal. Otherwise, there's no law there. You can't point to the letter, right? Amen. Now, if you start at verse 15, it begins all the curses that will come upon people who do not keep the law. It's a lot longer little bit there, if you look at it. <laughs> Much longer up to and including the locusts that will consume all your crops. It also says the heavens will be like brass. People praying and not nobody's hearing. Closed heaven. Veils closed. Nobody's getting into the Holy of Holies. Praying all day and all night, not getting any answer. That's not a good situation. If you're not a child of God, that's your situation. People don't like to hear that because they know people that pray that aren't born again. And they know people that put on social media. I hear you. Praying. Praying. You ever seen that? Somebody says something happened to them. You got all these names on there. Praying. Sending prayers. Praying. And you have a real good idea in your heart. Those people aren't born again. Who are they praying to? We'd have to ask them. But 
curses. It shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. The increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. And you know, the opposite is on the other side. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Blessed your bread bowl and your basket. Blessed, and it just goes on down. But the curses get into sickness. They get into all kinds of stuff. It gets into um, confusion, which you see a lot of people in the world today are suffering from all kinds of confusion, lack of confidence, different things, right? And it's a part of curses and the fall of man and all these things, right? But I want to read to you something better than the law. I'm just going to read it. It's good. It's the best thing you've ever heard. The Lord said, leave your country and your family and go from your father's house. This is to you now. To a land I'll show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I read that to you, and that was originally spoken to Abraham or Abram by God himself. <laughs> and the amazing thing about that, there's no curse. I don't know if you ever thought about that. There is no curse involved. Can you say that out loud? There is no curse. There is no curse. I mean, read it for you. If you look at it, it's amazing. Hey, Abram, if you get out of your country from your family and from your father's house, in other words, leave what you're in bondage to. If you have the guts to leave grandma and granddaddy's way because they weren't born again, or this and that way, or I'm using that example, whatever it is, right? the way you've always done business or the way you're living right now and loving it. If you have the intestinal fortitude to leave and go the way I'm showing you, I'll make a great nation of you. I'll bless you. I'll curse those who curse you, but don't say anything about cursing you, does it? He'll literally curse the ones that are unsaved that come against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'll bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And through you or in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's through your faith community called the church. All the families that are on the earth shall be blessed. All of them. I can't say all any other way. All. So where does the authority of the church reach? All. Who should be sitting in the seat of the president? All. Every congressional seat. All. Every Supreme Court justice seat. All. Everywhere. State Supreme Court. What about, what about your governor? 
Your state has as many rights to make laws that involve you now, including abortion, as the federal government. Is your governor spirit-filled? Does he pray in tongues? Is he reading the word every day? I don't know. I'm not going to try to decide for you, but do you know? Did we even have a candidate that is? What a shame. If you polled Georgians and said, how many of you are Christians? And we don't even know the story of whether or not our governor is born again and how. I said born again. I didn't say go to church. Because most of our governors go to church. How many of them are, are equipped for war? We war not against flesh, against blood, but against powers. Principality, spiritual forces of darkness and heavenly place. Are we putting people, are our business leaders prepared for that? Are our governors prepared for that? Are our, our local senators and our local just congressmen in general, are we prepared for this? Are our mayors prepared for this? Are they prepared for what's really going on or are they churchgoers? We represent at least two counties, maybe three, three, at least three counties in this room that I know of. Do we know? And we complain about how things are going and we sit at home, we know we do, and say, when are they going to fix this? When are they going to do something? They. When are they going to do this? They're not spirit-filled. You are. They're not praying in tongues as far as we know. You are. They're not reading the Word every day. You are. They're not the ones charged with it. You are. They may or may not even be sent by God. You are to fill it, to prepare our children, to prepare ourselves to be excellent in every way so people see us and beg spirit-filled Christians to go and take office. You need to run. You need to run. We need somebody like you. You need to be the principal of our school. We need somebody like you. You think, am I, am I just wrong about all this? I wanted to hear you on that. Am I just wrong about all this? The church has work to do. So much work to do. And and Christians, guys, they don't know. And, and Spirit-filled people. And I look, it's the most important thing other than being born again that there is is being spirit-filled. I don't care what anybody says to you. You can hear God so much more clearly. You have life super abundantly in you when you remain spirit-filled. That's just, there's no doubt about it. And if you're not, you're not prepared for what the devil's loosened against people that sit in high seats. You are not prepared. You don't have a clue what's going on. You're sitting up there thinking it's about people. And if we just had enough good people that would vote the right way, it has nothing to do with that. The devil will change an election, although more than enough people voted a certain certain way, guys. If you hadn't figured that out, it's time to wake up. <laughs> he doesn't play by the rules. He never has. He's been a liar and a thief and a stealer, and he's been into destroying good people since day one. He ain't changing. And I heard a guy say, and I think it's, it's really good to say, I heard somebody say this. They said, you know, the thing the church needs to realize is the devil's never looked at God and said, I'm sorry, and he ain't going to. He's not going to look at any of you and say, I'm sorry either. He'll smile at you as he stabs you. 
when you begin to recognize that your enemy feels like that about you and the Word is the only weapon you have and that everybody we send to Congress, everybody we send to office, everybody we send into business, everybody we send to work for a business has to be spiritually prepared and equipped to go. Every faith community has to be praying so that stuff doesn't come in here. Everybody has an extreme job. Paul called it the high call of God. The high call. And people sit around as Christians, well, you know, it's so good. You know, one day we'll be in heaven. It's a high call. Why are you sitting there thinking that? You ought to be thinking about ways to change this world while we're sitting here. <laughs> right? If we can fog a mirror, you better believe God's dependent on us. He's expectantly depending on us, isn't he? And the best news in the world, the best news in the world for a Christian, there's no curse. You hear people say, well, you know, God's cursing things. He's doing it. He's not cursing believers. There's no curse for the believers. So what do you need? You need, you need big-time believers running your nation so there's no curse. Running your state. Running the businesses. And we can start businesses. We don't have to take over other people's businesses. They can do what they want. You don't think the Holy Ghost can give somebody an idea? God is the creator. And we are His children. What should we be doing? Creating. <laughs> we shouldn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know? He's the creator. And His Spirit is in us. What should we be? Little creators. Creating things that make the Father proud. <laughs> I mean, that just makes sense. That, it's just seriously, it just makes sense, doesn't it? And we have people in this congregation that are doing that. They've given up their lives and, and they've decided to go serve in different ways. And their, 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 fir, their primary goal was to serve God among people. And that's awesome. We just, we got to get everybody involved in that in some way. Or, and it needs to be um, targeted. On purpose, doesn't it? It needs to be on purpose. And I don't just mean just talking to your neighbor. I mean a focused effort by a people through prayer, but also through excellence in life to change our city, our county, and then further our state. Doesn't it, just, doesn't it just make you feel good? You see some states enacting things that our state maybe doesn't. And you see that, and I don't, I'm not going to bring anything up because policy is not important here, but you see them standing up for God, taking a stand. As a state, we're not going to have this here. You know, this is not what we consider part of law or whatever. This is not something that our state is going to support. Now, you know, God smiled because he said, look at those people. Look at them taking up my cause as a state. Look at them taking up my cause as a city and saying, we're not going to support that here. We don't do that. It's not who we are. We're people of God. Sorry, we love everybody, but we're people of God. We love everybody, but we are people of God. (laughs) 
So there's no curse in any of that. And it's amazing because, you know, she kept talking about, well, you know, but we still need to keep the law. The scary thing about it, if you start keeping the law is then you got a curse to worry about. You've got a curse to worry about if you're still under the law. And if you're, if you're not, then you're free because Abraham flows to you. And this is what I was trying to show this lady. I want to show you real quick. It's in Galatians and you'll know it. But we ought to see that there's one beautiful thing about it that's so important. Galatians uh, 3.13, you, you know it. it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. All that confusion, all that sickness, all that heaven made of brass and all that ground that nothing will grow in. You know, if you're a Christian, your ground will produce. Let me say this. I'm going to go so far as to say this, and I believe the Holy Spirit will empower me to say it. And, and, I mean, honestly, to say it. You can buy land that nobody could grow anything on and be in Christ and know the promises of God and bless your land with your lips and walk your land. You might even anoint the posts at the corners with oil and bless it in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, you plant and your land will have to grow. It'll have to produce. Even though the other people couldn't do it, even though they never got rain, even though they went broke on that same land because the name of Jesus Christ is higher than any other name. Any name that's named. It's higher than any name that's named. You know, one of the names that's named, drought. But Jesus Christ is higher than the name of drought. So you know what happens? It rains on my land in the name of Jesus Christ. My land is fertile according to the Word of God. My land produces. My land produces to such an extent that the seventh year I can let it lie fallow if I want. I don't have to, but if I want, I can. <laughs> Nobody looks happy. And this is what God's done. This is what God's done. He said, I'll bless you. Why didn't he write it down? We talked about this before. Why, why isn't the blessing all written out so you know what you get? Oh, under the curse it is, but why not under Abram? Why didn't he say, Abraham, I'm fixing to write 172 pages of all the blessings so you'll know. Why didn't he say that? Because it's not a law. You don't have to write things that aren't law. We talked about it before. Not many of us have a law in our household with our children, you see. They watch us and they learn how we live. That's what happens in family. See, Abraham was family to God. And God says, you watch how we interact, Abram, and you'll know what the blessing is. And you know what happened? The blessing was so big and so expansive that not only did it cover every good thing Abram asked for pretty much, it even covered when he messed up. Because there's no curse. You find out you're in a drought, you don't trust God for drought. Instead, you run down to Egypt where there's food and water, right? So he runs down to Egypt with his food and water. He looks at his beautiful wife and said, you are so beautiful. By the way, men, look how blessed Abram was. The man was so blessed, his wife was so beautiful, that when he went into a, a nation of millions of people, out of all those millions, he just knew Somebody would see his wife and say, she's so beautiful, she ought to go to Pharaoh. How many of you would move into a town of millions and think that would happen? Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but just think about the blessing the man carried. So he prepared himself and said, by the way, when we get there, tell people you're my sister. That way they won't kill me. Again, a lack of faith. 
not believing God would preserve me. Because God had obviously already made plans. I'll bless you when you go. And if somebody tries to curse you, I'll curse them. Guys, God's so faithful even when He didn't believe it. I want you to hear this part. God's so faithful even when Abram didn't believe it, it still worked out. He denied who his wife was and risked her going to some other man while they were married. God got his wife back and he left rich. Physically, monetarily rich. Monetarily, that is in gold and in flocks and livestock and servants. It says manservants and maidservants. You read it yourself. Now, Oh, there's no blessing. That's, that's, the, that's the prosperity gospel. Well, my goodness. Was God's intent to prosper Abram or either, or either God was just wrong? How I many of you can imagine God's being wrong? Well, that's the prosperity gospel. I can't help it. It's just the gospel. It's just the gospel. If you just read it, I'll bless you. Yes, but God, what does that mean? Does that mean $37.50? No, I'll just bless you. Could it be, God, that that would mean $100,000 a year? Well, I'm telling you, I'll bless you. So what does that mean if it's not written down? That means it's between me and Jesus Christ. What it means is I now have a relationship with the king. And as I grow and become excellent, and he can trust me with more, and I make my talents. Come on, you know the little parables, right? As I make my talents, guess what he does? You can have more. That's what blessing is now. You're not limited because of a curse. You're limited, or I'm limited because we're not excellent, because we're not seeking with excellence, or maybe we're in the growth stage. How many of you know he tested Abram's faith as he went along? Maybe we're being tested but we're certainly, most positively, not under a curse, ever. Because there's no, there's no curse included. So let's think about this. You know, Paul wrote in Romans, he said, guys, he was trying to get Israel to understand this. All right, we're almost done. Stay with me just a second. I want you to understand this one principle, and I'm sure you do. Well, let's do it because it's part of this. The lady told me, we were still under the law. The reason I recalled at that is not because I mind trying to keep the Ten Commandments. That's what she would have thought. Well, this guy just wants to be able to get away with sin. No, I read what Paul said. We shouldn't sin. God forbid. I believe that. I love God. I don't want to sin because I love Him. It ain't got nothing to do with all that other stuff. I understand that it I, sin can't stick to me. I'm in Christ. I don't even exist. You can't stick sin to Christ. What are you trying to do? He's the Savior, right? But the point is, I need to grow in blessing because that's my job. God created me and put me here to grow in blessing so I can bless others. Not saying get by and go to heaven. He's not interested in that. He could take me out now if that's all it was. But remember what Jesus said. He said, Father, I don't pray you take them out of the earth. I pray that you don't take them out. I just pray you protect them from the evil one. Why in the world would he want to leave us here? Because he needs a light. He needs a powerful, powerful, influential light to change people and bring them to Him. He said, if I be lifted up, folks, we are the lifters. He's lifted up in the life of the church, amen? So this is what Paul really said, and it's kind of inter interesting because she didn't understand it. 
she was saying, and she went back and started telling me, she said, but you know, the important part about the law is it brought them out of the house of bondage. Because she went back to Moses and she said, they came up out of the house of bondage. Don't you guys understand something? They didn't ever have to go in the house of bondage. They were blessed. The only reason Israel got in bondage when they went, when they went to Egypt, the only reason Israel got put in bondage, you know why? What did Moses come telling them? Let my people go so they can, yeah, worship. Well, how did they get put in bondage, enslaved without knowing it? They quit worshiping. They were no longer close to God. They forgot what was spoken to them. A church that has forgotten what was spoken. What does a church sound like that's forgotten what was spoken? Well, I hope. I just want to get by and just get to heaven. If I can just get enough to pay my bills and get by. But what was spoken to that church? You are blessed. But what is a church that's forgotten how to worship, forgotten who they are, forgotten how to be thankful and slowly being brought under bondage? What do they sound like? If I can just make my payments, if I can just put 50 cents, in the thing for the church. And if I can just give this guy a quarter on the street and just make it by, if I can just train my children, doesn't matter what you do, don't leave the house. Just stay in Christ. Just get to heaven. Instead of reminding everybody, oh, don't worry about it. We're blessed. Stand up straight. We're blessed. Amen. That's, that's what, I mean, because, you know, be alive. We're blessed. Sit in the seat of Congress. We're blessed. Train up your children to be excellent. We're blessed. Train them up. Come on, train everybody up. Tell everybody there's no curse. We're blessed. Train everybody to know. God wants you to go as high in your profession as you can go and even higher because guess what? When the physical gives out, that's when the power of God takes over and He sits you even higher because of your talents, because you're willing to use them, because you're willing to walk by faith because none of this worked until Abraham started walking. Am I right? God said, Abram, if you believe me, I'll do all these things. But you understand, it wasn't just a thought belief. Because the Bible says in Genesis 12, that Abram packed up his wife and his nephew Lot and started going. And the Bible also says when he started going, in other words, believed that God accredited it to him. Remember, there's no curse. You can't accredit sin to him. But by, by the way, back then there was not even a law. If you sinned, it couldn't be accredited to you because you couldn't say section 12 of verse whatever blah, blah, blah is against you because it didn't exist. There, and guess what? We went back to, this is the beautiful part. Jesus never mentioned us going back under Moses. Bible never says the people of God go back under mud. It says Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. The end of the law for righteousness. He's the end. But we still had the law. How can you? He's the end of the law for righteousness. And then he went on to say this. That's what Paul said. I want to make sure I get it right. I'm going to read you about the law now. Galatians 
Therefore, the law was our tutor. Was, was, was. The law was our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Or the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. Now, you ready? But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Here's the cool part. The blessing came first to Abram. The promise to Abram was that your seed shall be called in Isaac. The seed is Christ. So what'd you do? You jump from a blessing to Abraham and that same blessing rests on Christ. He's the seed. Now what'd God do? He made you whole and put you in Christ. So you're in the blessing. There's no curse. The law is gone. That's where the curses were, Deuteronomy 28, 15. Curses were hidden in the law. The law was our schoolmaster, our tutor. We're no longer under the law. But it took us back to what? Abraham. He took us back to a blessing with no curse. He took us back to a blessing with no curse. He took us back to a blessing where there's only blessing. And those who curse you are cursed. And all the world is blessed because you're blessed. That's where you are right now. That's where you are. And he even said it. He said, Christ undid us. We, came, we were redeemed from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So the blessing is the Spirit, and the Spirit blesses, and there's no curse. So why are we not excellent? Why are we not doing exactly what we're called to do? We need to brush up. That's the church, don't we? Paul said in Romans 7, he said, without the law, I would not have known what sin was. You understand that's all it was for, right? Everybody in Christ was blessed, but they kept sinning. And they kept sinning so much and forgetting to worship that they got in bondage to the devil. They actually, in life, fell into bondage and curses were all they knew. So God showed them if you'll live like this, you'll be blessed. But otherwise, you're going to keep being cursed. He showed them, and they couldn't keep it. So they needed a Savior. So the law was your schoolmaster when you knew you couldn't do what the Bible said to bring you to a Savior that could save you from that. And when you got the Savior, you also got the blessing. And there's no curse. Now, I just told you you were blessed of God and not cursed. <laughs> blessed of God and not cursed. Wow. Live the best life you can and push hard for Jesus Christ. Please, become something in Christ. Don't, don't take whatever the world gives you now because the world will give you some junk. Just telling you the truth. Live your life. Don't let your life live you. Live your life in Jesus' name and go where He sends you to go. Take that ground. Not for yourself. That's greedy. Take it for Jesus Christ. Are we blessed? <laughs> Let's take some ground.